Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I'm Brad Constantine. We're going to be covering 1 Nephi chapter 11 next. Now, as I mentioned in chapter 10, uh, Nephi has a desire to see the same things that his father saw in vision, and so he's going to do that here in, as we get into this. Um, all right, verse 1. For it came to pass, after I had desired to know the things that my father had seen, <clears throat> and believing that the Lord was able to make them known unto me, as I sat pondering in mine heart, I was carried away in the Spirit of the Lord, yea, into an exceedingly high mountain, which I never had before seen, and upon which I never had before set my foot. Often it's the case that prophets are brought to mountains, mountaintop experiences, um, so that they can see the Lord. Today we have temples that does a similar thing. The first verse of chapter 11 gives the steps by which you solve any problem. First, you desire to know. Then you have to believe that it can be done. Then what do you do? You sit pondering. You size the problem up from various situations. You research and do everything you can. You sit pondering, and if you keep pondering, suddenly, this is the only way you will get it. You can't ponder it into existence. You will have a flash of insight. Suddenly, you will get the bright idea. It's something over which you have no control, according to all great scientists and inventors. It just comes to you as a flash after you've been working on the problem, maybe for years. Then it comes. So this is the way it comes to Nephi here. First you desire, then you are sure it can be done. The Lord can do it. Then you work it out in your own mind. That's from Hugh Nibley. Verse 2, And the Spirit said unto me, Behold, what desirest thou? And I said, I desire to behold the things which my father saw. And the Spirit said unto me, Believest thou that thy father saw the tree of which he hath spoken? The tree was obviously a doctrinal symbol, a sign of an even greater reality, yet the tree was of marvelous importance, for it is the symbol even from the time of paradise of the central and saving role of Jesus Christ. Verse 5, And I said, Yea, thou knowest that I believe all the words of my father. And when I had spoken these words, the Spirit cried with a loud voice, saying, Hosanna to the Lord, the Most High God, for he is God over all the earth, yea, even above all. And blessed art thou, Nephi, because thou believest in the Son of the Most High God. Wherefore, thou shalt behold the things which thou hast desired. And behold, this thing shall be given unto thee for a sign. The tree had been given for a sign as a symbol of him whose branches provide sacred shade, which shields one from the scorching rays of sin and ignorance. Indeed, this vision was to be more than an involvement with an abstract concept called the love of God. It was a messianic message, a poignant prophecy of him toward whom all men press forward on that straight and narrow path which leads to life eternal. That's McConkie and Millet. That after thou hast beheld the tree which bore the fruit which thy father tasted, thou shalt also behold a man descending out of heaven. And him shall ye witness, and after ye have witnessed him, ye shall bear record that it is the Son of God. And it came to pass that the Spirit said unto me, Look, and I looked, and beheld a tree, and it was like unto the tree which my father had seen, and the beauty thereof was far beyond, yea, exceeding of all beauty, and the whiteness thereof did exceed the whiteness of the driven snow. And it came to pass, after I had seen the tree, I said unto the Spirit, I behold, thou hast shown unto me the tree which is precious above all. 
And he said unto me, What desirest thou? And I said unto him, To know the interpretation thereof. For I spake unto him as a man speaketh. For I beheld that he was in the form of a man, yet nevertheless I knew that it was the Spirit of the Lord. And he spake unto me as a man speaketh with another. The expression Spirit of the Lord is used some 40 times in the Book of Mormon, and almost without exception it has reference to the Holy Ghost or to the light of Christ. If indeed here the Holy Ghost was Nephi's guide and teacher, this occasion is of tremendous significance, for it is the only scriptural occasion wherein the Holy Ghost makes a personal appearance to man. As the prophet explained, the Holy Ghost is a personage and is in the form of a personage, but it is a spirit. That's from Millet and McConkie. Again, verse 12. And it came to pass that he said unto me, Look, and I looked as if to look upon him, and I saw him not, for he had gone from before my presence. And it came to pass that I looked and beheld the city, the great city of Jerusalem, and also other cities. And I beheld the city of Nazareth, and in the city of Nazareth I beheld a virgin, and she was exceedingly fair and white. And it came to pass that I saw the heavens open, and an angel came down and stood before me, and said unto me, Nephi, What beholdest thou? And I said unto him, A virgin most beautiful and fair above all other virgins. Elder McConkie said, Can we speak too highly of her whom the Lord has blessed above all women? There was only one Christ, and there is only one Mary. Each was noble and great in preexistence, and each was foreordained to the ministry he or she performed. We cannot but think that the father would choose the greatest female spirit to be the mother of his son, even as he chose the male spirit, like unto him, to be the Savior. Verse, verse 16. And he said unto me, Knowest thou the condescension of God? And I said unto him, I know that he loveth his children, nevertheless I do not know the meaning of all things. And he said unto me, Behold, the virgin whom thou seest is the mother of the Son of God. after the manner of the flesh. And it came to pass that I beheld that she was carried away in the spirit, and after she had been carried away in the spirit for the space of a time, and the angel spake unto me, saying, Look. And I looked and beheld the virgin again, bearing a child in her arms. And the angel said unto me, Behold the Lamb of God, yea, even the Son of the Eternal Father. Elder McConkie said, Jesus is, Jesus is literally the Son of Mary, or just as Jesus is literally the son of Mary, so he is the personal and literal offspring of God, the, the eternal father. The angel is now saying, now do you understand the meaning of the tree? Now do you grasp the message behind the sign? And I answered, verse 22, and I answered him saying, yea, it is the love of God. It is the greatest manifestation of the love of God, the gift of Christ, which sheddeth itself abroad. The love of God was extended to all men through the atonement of Christ. We literally believe that all men may be saved by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. There is no ceiling on the number of saved beings, no limit to the love of the Father, which can be received by all those who qualify for exaltation. Again, that's McConkie and Millen. In the hearts of the children of men, wherefore it is the most desirable above all things. And he spake unto me, saying, Yea, and the most joyous to the soul. There is no joy in this life which rivals that of partaking of the powers of Christ through the atonement, no joy which transcends those feelings of purity and peace associated with the Master's redemptive and re renovating action upon the human soul. Verse 24, And after he had said these words, he said unto me, Look, and I looked, and beheld the Son of God going forth among the children of men. And I saw many fall down at his feet and worship him. And it came to pass that I beheld that the rod of iron which my father had seen was the word of God, which led to the fountain of living waters, or to the tree of life, which waters are a representation of the love of God. And I also beheld that the tree of life was a representation of the love of God. And the angel said unto me again, Look, and behold the condescension of God. 
Now notice that condescension is mentioned twice. First Nephi 11:16, it was followed by the birth of the Son of God. The second time it is followed by a vision of Christ's ministry. The condescension of God, meaning the Father, consists in the fact that though he is an exalted, perfected, glorified personage, he became the personal and literal father of a mortal offspring born of a mortal woman. And the condescension of God, meaning the Son, consists of the fact that though he himself is the Lord omnipotent, the very being who created the earth and all things that in it are, yet being born of mortal woman, he submitted to all the trials of mortality, suffering temptations and pain of body, hunger, thirst, and fatigue, even more than man can suffer, except it be unto death. Finally, being put to death in a most ignominious manner. And that's from Mormon Doctrine by Bruce R. McConkie. Verse 27. And I looked and beheld the Redeemer of the world, of whom my father had spoken, and I also beheld the prophet who should prepare the way before him. And the Lamb of God went forth and was baptized of him. And after he was baptized, I beheld the heavens open and the Holy Ghost come down out of heaven and abide upon him in the form of a dove. The sign of the dove, said Joseph Smith, was instituted before the creation of the world, a witness of, for the Holy Ghost, and the devil cannot come in the sign of a dove. The Holy Ghost is a personage and is in the form of a personage. It does not confine itself to the form of the dove, but in sign of the dove. The Holy Ghost cannot be transformed into a dove, but the sign of a dove was given to John to signify the truth of the deed, as the dove is an emblem or token of truth and innocence. Verse 28, And I beheld that he went forth ministering unto the people in power and great glory, and the multitudes were gathered together to hear him, and I beheld that they cast him out from among them. Even though from an eternal perspective, it may well be that far more of our father's children will be exalted than will not. At any given time, it is not uncommon for the true believers to be in the minority, and thus for the vast majority of the people, the multitudes, to cast out the Lord and his representatives. That's from Millet and McConkie. Verse 29, And I also beheld twelve others following him, and it came to pass that they were carried away in the spirit before, from before my face, and I saw them not. Obviously, that's the twelve apostles. And it came to pass that the angel spake unto me again, saying, Look, and I looked, and I beheld the heavens open again, and I saw angels descending upon the children of men, and they did minister unto them. And he spake unto me again, saying, Look, and I looked, and, and I beheld the Lamb of God going forth among the children of men, and I beheld multitudes of people who were sick and who were afflicted with all manner of diseases, and with devils and unclean spirits. And the angel spake and showed all these things unto me, and they were... and. They were healed by the power of the Lamb of God, and the devils and the unclean spirits were cast out. And it came to pass that the angel spake unto me again, saying, Look, and I looked and beheld the Lamb of God, that he was taken by the people. Yea, the Son of the everlasting God was judged of the world, and I saw and bear record. And I, Nephi, saw that he was lifted up upon the cross and slain for the sins of the world. And after he was slain, I saw the multitudes of the earth, that they were gathered together to fight against the apostles of the Lamb. For thus were the twelve called by the angel of the Lord. And the multitude of the earth was gathered together, and I beheld that they were in, large, in a large and spacious building, like unto the building which my father saw. And the angel of the Lord spake unto me again, saying, Behold the world, and the wisdom thereof, yea, behold the house of Israel, hath gathered together to fight against the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And it came to pass that I saw and bear record that the great and spacious building was the pride of the world, and it fell. And the fall thereof was exceedingly great, and the angel of the Lord spake unto me again, saying, Thus shall the destruction thus shall be the destruction of all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people, that shall fight against the twelve apostles of the Lamb. 
isn't it interesting how it mentions here in these last couple of verses that uh, the house of Israel is going to be gathered against the 12, against Jesus and the 12. And wasn't that the case in Israel when, when it was Israel, those of Israelite descent that uh, were the ones that crucified the Savior and put to death the apostles along with the Gentiles in the, the Roman Empire at the time. These are interesting verses, and I hope that you got something out of this uh, this time. I bear testimony of the Savior and, and that he's the central figure in the Book of Mormon, and, and we read about him early on in the first few chapters of the Book of Mormon and say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.